to rock and roll. Yesterday, we learned about Avraham purchasing a field from Ephron. We learned yesterday that he refused to take it for free. He wanted to buy it. And what he was really doing was, you know, if you get, if you get something as a gift, yes, it's yours. Yes, you own it. But there's still some connection to that original owner. And by purchasing it from Ephron, Abraham was trying to remove it completely from his domain. As we saw that Ephron was not the holiest of people. In fact, uh, the Balaturim and the Midrash say that Ephron, with spelled without the Vav, has the gematria of Ayin Ra, that he had a evil eye or like a, uh, a greedy eye. And so Abraham is removing it completely from the domain of Ephron so that it should be in the realm of holiness. Now the Torah follows up. Verse 17, Vayakam Sde Ephron. The field of Ephron actually rises up. What does he say over here? Was established as Abraham's possession. But the literal meaning of Vayakam means to arise. Rashi will will tell us what what, what that means. So this field arises that is in the Machpelah. Asher lefnei mamre, which is for mamre. Asad the field and the cave that was in it and all of the trees that were in the field that were all in its entire border around. Rashi says, Tikuma hoisala, that the field arose. It experienced an elevation. Shiyotza, it left the hands of a hediot of a, here he translates a simple person, but I think it's more than a simple person. It's a, um, well, it's the, the liad melech to the hand of a king. So from a, a commoner to the hand of a king, Abram being the king. So we see here that by the purchase, there's an actual spiritual change that's going on with this physical field, which by the way, is something, a general concept in Judaism, where we take things and we change their status. And here, he didn't even use it yet, but just the fact that he now owned it and he had the intention of using it for this purpose, it gained this new status. However, Rashi says, the simple meaning of the verse is that it was established as his property. So here, th- these two verses, they go together. It's like, it's it's not a uh, it's not a complete sentence. The first 17 is not a complete sentence. It's, it was established to Abraham as a possession, verse 18, finishes the sentence. And this was in front of all the people of Ches, as the commentary say, and we learned it yesterday, I think it is mentioned, uh, it keeps repeating the, the children of Ches, that it was in front of everybody. It was important that it be established that this is owned by Abraham. I think the Medrash says that there are three places that were purchased and that the nations of the world could have no qualms about it. The rest of the country, they say, we stole it from the Canaanites. We came in and we took over. But these places were purchased uh, fear and clear, and that is Hebron and um, Hebron and uh, the Beit HaMikdash, the Temple Mount that was purchased by King David. As Rashi mentioned, that King David also paid full price, Kesef Malay, the full price he didn't want any discount because if it's a discount, then it's a little bit of a gift. 
We wanted to pay full prices was a real purchase so that there's a transfer, a real transfer of ownership and connection to the new owner. And the third one is um, in where Yosef is buried in Shechem. As Rashi says, that he did this in the presence of all of them. That's where this all happened. So it was, was well-documented and well-established. wasn't a, a quiet deal on a street corner. Verse 19, Now that he had the property, and there was this elevation to the realm of holiness, now he buried Sarah, his wife, to the cave of the field of the Machpelah, that's in the face of Mamre. The Torah is repeating this again. We have to look into why which is Hebron, which is in the land of Canaan. And, and now Torah repeats it again in verse 20, that the field and the cave that was in it arose to Avram as a burial property from the people of Ches. Done. That story is over. Now we go to the next, next thing. Avram, Zaking, verse 1, chapter 24, Abraham was a Zaking. He was old. Babayamim. Advanced in days. Vashem Beiraches Avraham Bakol. God had blessed Abraham with everything. Rashi is going to tell us that Bakol with everything doesn't mean what it sounds like. It means something else. Says Rashi, what's Bakol? Bakol is the gematria. Bez is two. Chaf is 20. Lamed is 30. So it's the gematria of 52, which is the same numeric equivalent of Ben, which is a son. Bez Nun. 52. Now that he had a son, he has to marry him off. So what does the verse say? He was old. God blessed him with a son, with Yitzchak, and now he has to marry him off. Verse 2, Avram said, El Avdi to his servant. This is Eliezer, by the way. Zakan Besoy, the elder of his house, the one who controlled everything that was his, was his D-O-O, Director of Operations, Sim no Place your hand under my thigh. Rashi will explain what that's about. Rashi says, Somebody who takes an oath has to hold in his hand a object of a mitzvah. For example, a Torah scroll or a pair of tefillin. The Hamila, the circumcision, that was Abraham's first commandment that God gave him. And it came to him with tsar, with pain. And it was precious to him. And therefore he says to Eliezer, when he takes this oath, they didn't have to fill in in those days. They didn't have a Sefer Torah. What was the only object of a mitzvah that he had? This was the circumcision. Therefore he says, place your hand under my thigh when you take this oath. Verse 3, and I will adjure you. I will have you swear by the God, by Hashem, by God, who is the God of the heaven and the, and the God of earth. You shall not take a wife for my son from the daughters of the Canaanites, among whom I dwell. Rather, verse 4, to my land to my birthplace, that's where you shall go, and you shall take a wife for my son, for Yitzchak. So Eliezer, the servant, responds, and he says, perhaps, Ulai, 
that this woman that I find for Yitzchak will not want to come back to this land. Should I take Isaac and return him to the land where you came from so he could get married over there and if his wife doesn't want to move? By the way, in Halakha, we have this, the laws of marriage, that there is a certain assumption that you can't, that a woman is not going to want to move. Let's say if she lives in a small town, the groom can't assume, oh, she'll move to a big town. She may not like the big city. And if she comes from a big city, she might not want to move to a small town. They, um, you have to take that into consideration. So what does Avram answer? Avraham Avram says to him, Beware. Lest you return my son back there. Do not bring Isaac. Do not return him there to Haran. Verse 7. God, the Lord of heaven. Now you notice that before he called him the God of heaven and the God of earth. Now he only calls him the God of heaven. Rashi will talk about that. God of heaven who took me from the house of my father and from the land of my birthplace and who spoke about me. Doesn't mean he spoke to me, but he spoke about me. And he promised me, saying to your descendants, I will give this land, land of Canaan. He, that God, will send his angel, Malacho, his Malach, his angel, before you, in front of you, running ahead of you, to take care of all your needs. So take a wife for me, for my son from there. Why does, why does Avraham refer to God only as God of the heavens in this verse? Rashi explains, because in this verse, he's talking about God before when God had originally reached out to Abraham and gave him, given him this mission to go to Canaan. At that time, God was only the God of heaven. Because nobody knew about him. On earth, nobody heard about him. Once he hired Avram as his PR man to get the word out, then God is no longer just the God of heaven, but he also becomes the God of earth. So even though Abram was already 75 years old, when God told him, Lech Lecha, go, gave him this mission, and before he was 75, already knew about God, and presumably he was teaching people about God, but we see from this verse, this Rashi, that it was only after the Lech Lecha, after he was 75, that he really got on this mission to make God known in the world. And we see that he was successful. Abraham was successful, and he was getting the word out. Rashi says, what does it mean, the house from the house of my father? That's Haran, and the, from the land of my birthplace, that's Ur Kastim. And who, who, who swore to me, when, when did God swear to him that he's going to give the land to his children, to his descendants? That was by the bris ben absarim, the covenant between the parts. Now Avram answers Eliezer's concern. He says, If the woman does not want to come follow you, you will be absolved from this oath. But do not take my son there. You know, it's very important to me that you get a wife from Haran, not from here. But if she doesn't want to come, first he tells him you're going to succeed. Don't worry about it. But if she, if you, if you, if the woman doesn't want to come, then take a wife 
says Rashi, take a wife from the daughters of Oner, Eshkol, and Mamre. These were Abraham's allies. They, I guess they had some kind of a uh, understanding of what Avram was doing. They were righteous people, obviously, if Avram was their friends. We learned earlier that Mamre, that Avraham uh, has his bris in the area of Mamre, Mamre's uh, territory as a, as a, as a um, because of the merit of Mamre who advised Avram about the bris. So these were special people. So he says, even though they, they are, I prefer no, that it shouldn't be from the daughters of the Canaanites. If you have to, let it be from these three. Rak espini, only my son, do not return there. Says Rashi, Rak is a qualifier. My son will not return to Haran. But Yaakov, my grandson, he in fact will return to the land of Haran to marry and he'll marry Rachel and Leah who are from there. They're not going to be brought back to Israel. And we see this, that Yitzchak is special among the three fathers that he does not leave the land of Israel. He doesn't go down to Egypt during a famine. He is special. He's a sacrifice, uh, an Ola, and so he doesn't leave the land of Israel. Verse 9, the servant did so. He placed his hand under the thigh of Abraham, his master, and he swore to him regarding this thing. That was rather short, so we'll continue on to tomorrow, Tuesday. Anybody have any question regarding what we read so far?